Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Trades and Builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. With all the expert insight on the Rugby World Cup and much more, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Mark Watson and Steve Devine on SENZ. The line just two metres away. Through the hands it goes. Intercept by McKenzie. Shot McKenzie. Well, they'll give him chase. Coming across his walker, but he's not going to stop him. Into it tonight. Oh, that's a killer blow for Manawa too, but just another exclamation point and an outstanding performance by Jock McKenzie. Good break here from James Tuffer, floating the pass wide, Nalanga, trying to get past McKenzie, does so, can he turn it back on the inside? They just will not give up this Turbo's team. TK Howland's in for the try. Look, time ticking away now. We're just about to go into the last minute of the game and it's actually turned into a a bit of a thriller here at Eden Park. Can Manawatu break a drought that goes way back to the early 80s? Here they come. Christian Goss. He stopped just short of the line. Phil Ewan. Manawatu, can they make history? Wide they go. Tupu Tupu. He stopped on the five. Auckland have to watch their discipline. They come at Monson, but he carries strongly. Phil Ewan. Sends it away. Here's a chance. He's in. He's in. Gotcha. The replacement forward has scored. Right by the post. And can you believe it? And now it comes down to this young man, Armstrong Ravula. He's kicked it. And Manuatu have done it. For the first time since 1980, they win an Eden Park. Yes, a very good afternoon and welcome into the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson, Steve Devine, we are with you through to 2 o'clock this afternoon. I then continue between 2 and 4. We'll look at the Warriors dropping that last regular season game. We'll do that after 2. I don't think there's too much panic in the camp. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. You can text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833. And now joining us in a very good afternoon, very uh, happy Father's Day to former All Black Steve Devine. Steve, afternoon. Yeah, g'day Mark, how are you? Happy Father's Day as well and to everyone at home. Yeah, no, look, it's always a nice day. I've got my young son in today watching here in studio. He wanted to meet another All Black. He says, Dad, you just seem to know All Blacks. I said, well, no, I don't, but I do probably know a few more than other people because of the nature of this job. Uh, Steve, look, I played those highlights there of Auckland Manawatu. Congratulations to Manawatu. First victory over Auckland, I think, since 1981. Remarkable time for them. Uh, but I, I do have to ask the question, what the hell is going on with Auckland rugby? How does Auckland with... It's secondary school competition, it's club competition, have played five games, won three and lost two. 
I mean, we should be all over this competition, Super Rugby players or not, All Blacks or not. What is going on with Auckland Rugby? Why are we just a minnow? Yes, there's North Harbour. Yes, there is counties. So Auckland itself, I guess the greater city, is divided into three. But even so, that is just not good enough. Yeah, like it, it was. It's been a tough week. I've had uh, many a phone call from many a people. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of things at play with the club rugby and, and and lots of teams and lots of people playing, and then they get together late from Super Rugby, and they're not sure of the team because of All Blacks. So, you know, they they don't really get together late uh, to quite late in the piece with Auckland and have a couple of weeks training before the first game. So they they don't get a lot of time together where the you know the the regional teams, the Manawatu's and the Northlands, and their squ- their squads are pretty set pretty early in the year, so they do spend a lot more time together, um, and not as many players filtering back from Super Rugby, so they're they're a little bit more settled and they've spent some a little bit more time together. That that does help, but in saying that, you know Auckland had a fair few All Blacks on the field on the weekend that should have should have made a difference that didn't quite. Are we starting to see the effects though of this? slow erosion of senior club rugby here in Auckland. More clubs amalgamating. There's a big gap between the haves and the have-nots. You've only got to see the points between the top clubs and the lower clubs when it comes to the Gallagher Shield every season. You know, there are often Ponsonby's and the universities out there winning, often beating teams like Waitamata and stuff by 70-odd points. Uh, College Rifles, one of the great clubs of yesteryear, not quite the great club it once was. Yeah, the club rugby scene is pretty hard. I, th- I think we need to have a, a good hard look at the club rugby scene, particularly in Auckland. I know it's it's going, you know, it's pretty strong in other cities around the country. But yeah, in Auckland, there's there's a, there's a feel for you know making sure it you know gets possibly a little bit more airtime on TV and um, even like a club competition where the the best from Auckland play the best from Hamilton and Christchurch and Wellington and those sorts of things are are being talked about. So. You know, all, all, all things like that would help the club scene. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, what we really need uh, from rugby in this country is participa- participation. We need kids to play at school. Mm. We need kids to leave school and continue to play. And I don't I don't think we've quite got that at the moment. Mm. We, we, there's mm. a pretty big gap between kids leaving school and playing club rugby. Uh, OK, look, I, I do want to celebrate the, the entertaining rugby that is on the MPC that maybe people aren't aware of because for some reason they've just lost engagement with it. But before I do do that, I want to address just one of the other issues. Um, look, we, we can point the finger all we want at New Zealand rugby in terms of the so-called um, erosion of MPC and the lack of resource they put at it or just the lack of time they've actually given it. All said and that done, we're not, we don't have crowds turning up, but we've still got the likes of Auckland and stuff playing in the big stadiums, playing at Eden Park. I mean, it costs a fortune to open Eden Park. Nobody's turning up. I just think now, it's surely it's got to be more fiscally responsible of Auckland Rugby Union to start taking Auckland and just playing them at top quality club grounds where people can walk up and they're not having to pay exorbitant fees for hiring Eden Park out. Yeah, I think I think they are looking at that, but I think then, then they also need to find... Because um, you have sponsors to look after, right? So the sponsors uh, pay for the season, so they deserve to be watching footy and they des- probably deserve to be in a lounge and, and being looked after. So you've got to find a field that has some sort of corporate hospitality where sponsors can be looked after. And and that's pretty difficult in Auckland. There's, I know they're, yeah, they're looking pretty hard at it, but there's not a, there's just not a lot of options Um 
a field, sand-based field with lights, with um, with a, with a grandstand and a bit of bit of hospo. So it's 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 not as easy as it sounds. It's just moving it away from Eden Park because there's not a lot of op- a lot of other options. No, I, I mean I do look at Douglas Field there in Waitakere where they do it with the All Blacks often train. They've got the running track around the outside, but it does have hospitality facilities. And you make a good point. But you know, I think we just need to start moving in that direction. Oh. At some point, we can't have you know can't have North Harbour playing at North Harbour Stadium. I, I, I'm just not sure Otago playing at their stadium is in the best interests of club rugby in uh, the Dunedin Otago region. And my point being, there's a thing in economics called opportunity cost. Well, where else could we spend that money? And we've talked about the lack of facilities for a lot of the clubs and the lack of the resources. And I just think it could be better spent. Oh, 100%. I, like, I I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I 100%, you know, having, you know, a thousand people turn up to watch um, a game of footy at Eden Park is, is yeah, it's over the top and sorely it can't be sustainable going forward uh, just in terms of sheer cost of uh, holding a, a, match, a match there. So, yeah, I, I know all sorts of things have been looked at and something needs to be come up with. I mean, if Auckland had a little 5,000 seat, um, stadium with um, that league and and you know some of the bigger club mm. games for league and rugby and soccer a, it'd a, probably be ideal right a bit but like what Carlaw Park was years ago yeah yeah just imagine um, so you know Auckland's missing um, something to to like a facility that is not Eden Park uh, or Mount Smart you know just a, a little a field that's sand based with some lights and a bit of hospitality would just be ideal but yeah a little bit more boutique and I think even because it becomes a bit more boutique ironically I actually think it might actually possibly be a reason why people do go yeah well, it's got, and it's got to be close to the services right it's got to be close to town it's got to be easy like Carlo Park would have been it would have been it would have been heaven really right on the bottom of town and um, just walk out of the stadiums in the CBD or you know, file in after work on a Friday mm. Arvo, just it would have been ideal. But you know, that's that's ideal and we're not gonna get that and we won't have that for a long time. So we've got to sort of work around and maybe look to spend a bit of money in a club field and put a little grandstand in. I just want to put that question out for MPC and maybe rugby people in the bigger cities, whether it be in Hamilton and those that do I guess have those uh, more expensive stadiums. Uh, are, would you be comfortable as an MPC follow and watcher to go to a smaller, lesser ground, knowing that it's going to cost the union less and therefore allow the union maybe to be a little bit more financially viable. 0800 150811. You can text us here on 8833. That's the first point. Now, Steve, let's just look though at the quality of the rugby. Yeah. I came in here today. You're watching the highlights of Northland Hawks Bay. Uh, remarkable victory for Northland again, 44 points to 21. But the rugby was entertaining. You've only got to look at the drama yesterday between Canterbury and Taranaki. Canterbury squeezing that one, 29-28. Harbour up over Waikato. It's so unpredictable, but it's good, open, running rugby. It's a good product, isn't it? Yeah, I think we find we find uh, the difference, between, well, I find personally the difference between MPC and Super Rugby is that uh, MPC is New Zealand's brand of rugby. All teams are trying to play rugby, throw the ball around and... You know, the, 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 yes, they're rolling moors and, and those sorts of things, but generally it's an open uh, running, uh, more type of running game, which I which I enjoy to watch. Where Super Rugby, we play against the Aussies. It's that it's that especially the Brumbies and the better teams. It's that hardened UK style, where it's a lot of kicking, a lot of rolling moors, a lot of penalty advantages, and it's it's still got to be entertaining, yeah, doesn't it? And, and you and can say defence is a little bit light at times, and it can be a little bit like touch. But we as a fan want to see open running rugby. We want to see the ball go through ten sets of hands. We want to see the Christian Cullen like yep. tries, don't we? Yes, and the purists at time in a tough game don't mind the rolling moor, yep. don't mind the 
players short to the line, two, three off, bang, score under the posts. Yeah, but if you want to watch some enjoy, enjoyment and and some running rugby, then NPC is what you need to be watching. And there's some really good competitions. Like Auckland got knocked over. Uh, the Tunny Far put 40 points on uh, Hawks Bay, who, who are in the top four. You know, it's, it's, there's some really good rugby. Yeah, and congratulations to Wellington. Only unbeaten team so far. And that's the thing I do like. I've got to say, it. yes, it hurts me when I see the might of Auckland crumbling to the likes of Manawatu. And maybe I'm being a bit disrespectful to Manawatu. But one of the things I love about the NRL is the unpredictability week in, week out. And we're starting to now see that in the MPC. So look, before we go to Graham, before we go to our callers, I just want to ask you this. Could you see, Steve, us scrapping Super Rugby and with some innovation, with the right people around the table, somehow making MPC again the premium product? Yeah, it's a possibility. It's a possibility, and then and then like maybe the winners of MPC take on, you know, it, it adds. Well, there could be room still for Queensland, New South Wales. Well, that's what I mean. With like, some innovation. Like the, the, there's always been a thought which I've liked was whoever the top five MPC teams are then your super teams for the following year. So your team can go right through to play Super Rugby, which which I thought would be pretty cool. But obviously, logistically, it's pretty hard because mm. the New Zealand Rugby Union have contracted players all over the show and possibly not even playing Super Rugby. But, but yeah, I mean, if we just file it back and just have a national competition with our All Blacks playing in a national competition, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure you'd see bums on seats. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I'm 100% with this too, but you've got to have the best players playing. You've got to be innovative when you do it. You move the season again to... March, uh, you run it during that particular window if it does work in with the international window. What I just love is, I mean, you even go look at your Wairarapa bushes. You've got the Thames Valley Swamp Foxes, whether they're second division or not. But every one of the unions has just got such a great history and tradition. And and I think it's a big part of what makes, say, English Premier League football work so well. I think it's a big part of what makes the AFL in Australia work well. It is the nostalgia. It is the history. And that is something that you cannot manufacture. That is something Super Rugby doesn't have. Yeah, yeah, yep. I hundred percent. Like Super Rugby hasn't. It was massive when it started, but you know anything was going to be massive when it started, and it just took. Basically, all Super Rugby did was took our All Blacks out of MPC Rugby. Um, in the first few years, they were doubling up, and and now they're not. And you know, as soon as you can turn up to. Uh, counties out at the counties park and watch some All Blacks take on All Blacks. You're gonna get you're gonna get people there to watch it. And you know, we sadly because the All Blacks don't play a lot of NPC now, they we just don't get to see that. Right, Andy's texting um, on the Temper Bed Post text machine double eight double three regarding going to smaller grounds. He says, "Yes, I would. Cricket has done it here with Hagley Oval, and that's a great ground. I massively regret not going out to Rangiora yesterday with my daughter. It would have been the first game of footy." Well, the only thing I can see in Auckland to happening, right, to getting rugby in a smaller ground is get rid of cricket off number two at Eden Park and make it a rugby field and you've got you've got facilities and to, to, to do it out the back. Well, but, sp- spend the money at Western Springs. Yeah, you know, something's got to be done. But to have a like the, probably the worst cricket field in the country, which is Eden Park, because it's so small, and then having even a worse domestic cricket field out the back, which is ridiculously like every third shots on the on the on the main road or in the service station across the street like it's just ridiculous to keep cricket there it makes no sense 0800 you're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Mark Watson former All Black Steve Devine hi Graham oh g'day boys how are you guys yeah good thank you yeah you know I was out at uh, Main Power Oval yesterday the Canterbury Taranaki game yeah it was, it was absolutely fantastic yeah I mean you just felt like you're in the midst of 
a bit of grassroots rugby, you know, even though it was still Canterbury, Taranaki, and it was just, I don't know, it was just that community feel and, and the, the size of the ground, everything you said at the start of the show, Mark, um, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's just, and I, you know, in 2011, when, after the earthquakes, we played at Rugby Park where the Canterbury and the Crusaders train, and and that was great too. I mean, they couldn't carry on there, but... Um, because we're super rugby, and the, you, know, you know they'd moved to Eddington by then to whatever name it's called now, Apollo Project Stadium. But um, that yeah, it's uh, but it was just great. It was just you know it was a cliffhanger of a game, as most of these games have been actually. There was a couple of blowouts at the beginning of the season, uh, but yeah, Manawatu and 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 then the Tony Far and all that have done some you know wonderful things. But yeah, I was pleased with. Yeah, yeah, young Alex Hartford did well at first five. He hopefully gets in the Crusaders this year. Um, played well last year too, so back up the other two, Fergus Burke and um, Tara Kamara from Waikato. But yeah, no, it was a good game. And, you know, it was just, it was just you know, you, so many people you knew and talked to the players afterwards, which they do anyway here. But, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think it's 100%. That's the way to go with the NPC. Mate, I know I, it's harder in Auckland. Yeah. There must be somewhere where they can do it. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Graham. is the fact that we need to, we so, need to take sorry, it back sorry. local. So are you okay? You're agreeing yeah, with no, Graham. You're I, agreeing no, with Graham. I, I often agree with him sometimes. Okay, okay. all right. Uh, but we often don't agree as well. <laughs> uh, no, we, have to, we have to take it back local. We've lost, I, I just think it's not just rugby in this country. I think it's New Zealand um, right now. We've just lost our community feel a little bit and we've, We've just gone away from the community, the small community, um, and keep it local and keep it community. And I just think rugby's rugby's a, a great thing in this country that can help bring that back together. And yeah, I, I, I do think we've got to get people back into the habit of watching this. It's got to become the default seating again. And I think you've got to take it back to this level. I don't think by putting it in the stadiums and just putting a whole lot of marking around it's going to work. People need to feel up close. They need to feel like, you know, that they're. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they've got just a bit more of an emotional connection. Look, in a perfect world, Graham, I'd love to see our teams play in the big stadiums. But again, just from a financial point of view, um, yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I remember talking, I remember going and doing, I think it was the Auckland Rugby Awards prize giving back in about 2008, 2009 when I was working on Radio Sport, I emceed that. And I was talking to the guy at the time who was head of finance, and we were hosting Canterbury that weekend, and he said, look, we, we want Canterbury to Eden Park this for the semi-final because we think we'll give ourselves the best chance of winning but it's going to cost the union $100,000 to do it and oh, that's mate, what you've got yeah. to weigh up and you go well okay we won but then you go 100000 you know Steve will tell us here say Ponsonby as an example training at uh, West End rugby ground or whatever you know he's got kids and he's scared they're going to drown in the puddles because the water doesn't clear and the and the lights at the club you know are just not quite bright enough now that's just one club that's everywhere and that's where I think money is better spent Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it's great for Steve to agree with me for once. So, that is really, I feel really, you know, honoured actually, Steve. But uh, yeah, no, uh, but um, no, no, that's true. And you know, I think there must be somewhere. You know, you guys have got lots of grounds, but I also know that every part of New Zealand has peculiarity oh. problems as far as access to grounds and that. Uh, Canterbury's probably lucky like that with a sort of well, rural yeah. hinterland. North, North, North Harbour should go back to Aniwa. I was there I was yeah, there for I the agree. Battle of Bridge in 94 
95, was it 94? Four. 94, yeah, I was there. Um, I know I, I can tell you why, but I won't tell you why on the radio. I always remember yeah. that. I always remember that particular game. You know, I don't think North Harbour, uh, I, I know how expensive it was just for the Tuatara baseball team to be in there just for a game, just open up with minimal security and everything else. And I just go, yeah, it's all very well if you're filling up the stadiums and people are coming through and paying for those costs, but they're not. Hey, look, Graham, lovely and well done against Taranaki yesterday. I was so hoping you would lose. I know you did, and I know you said that. So. <laughs> well, I love Taranaki. My mum's from Taranaki. I know. I, I remember you saying that when you're on radio sports. So that's a fair enough affiliation. But you'd back them anyway. It's Canterbury, and I understand. No, no, that. no, yeah. no. Of course I would. I actually tipped Canterbury, Graham. If that helps. <laughs> oh, that's even getting yeah. better, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine that. They eh? should give you more, more hours yeah. on. Yeah. on I, I had, I had been drinking, but. <laughs> this time next year, maybe he'll have a James Kerr tattoo on his shoulder. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Graham. Good As man. always, it is 9 20 minutes after 12. You're listening to SCNZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson, Steve Devine, taking your calls on 0800 1508 Chainsaw Laney, Brendan Laney's going to join us on the programme around about 12.30. Just want to get his thoughts on the Scottish rugby team, their chances at the World Cup. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's talking about them. They're in the same poll as Ireland and South Africa. But they are good. It might just be the best Scottish side we have seen for an awfully long, for an awful long time. Twenty minutes after twelve. Twenty-five minutes, or coming up to twenty-five minutes after twelve. Uh, telephone numbers: oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Chainsaw Laney, Brendan Laney, who uh, well known down there in Otago and for the Highlanders, and of course ended up playing for Scotland. He's going to join us on the program shortly. Steve, uh, a couple of texts that have come in that have grabbed your attention. Yeah, two texts in and around, basically in and around uh, yesterday at Rangarori. Rangi Aura. Rangi Aura, Oval, about how many people were there. And uh, you couldn't move, there was so many people. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's, it's what, a, what a great example of t- taking a game back to the community. And, you know, I, I understand that there has to be, um, you know, that you can't just play it on a, a, a cow a cow paddock. It's got to, these guys are, you know, professional athletes. We need to look after them. So there've got to be some reasonable facilities and fields and that sort of things. But yeah, we need to take the game back to the community and get it back involved at, at that level. Um, the, the bigger stadiums, Eden Parks. Like I, I had conversations in 2010, 2011. I was a manager for Auckland. We had conversations, you know, with administrators to, to try and leave Eden Park then because it was just it was just not right. We had, you know, that Auckland team at that stage um, had nowhere to train. We were using a club field. We'd go and hire lights from Hyapool to put them up to train at night um, because MPC now you've got to train after five and you've got to be finished before 7 a.m. because these these people have work and jobs and uh, universities to go to. They're not professional athletes year-round. They only get paid for MPC. So, you know, there's all sorts of problems here in Auckland trying to um, – go to training when you don't have a home base. That's unbelievable, isn't it? When you look at the history of Auckland rugby and arguably the greatest rugby team in the world for a long time, Canterbury can argue it, but, you know, the Manchester City, Manchester United equivalents, and yet, you know, even up to 2010, not a specific training ground as such for no. this Auckland team. And, and then my understanding a bit later on, like the mid, the mid, um, like 15s through 17s, um, 2017, those sorts of things, um, the Auckland rugby wouldn't even talk to the Blues and they were just headbutting on everything and, no training facilities, no shared information. It was just, it was appalling. A, yeah, it was. It's just egos. And this country's not big enough, is it, for that sort of, um, to have those divisions? No. 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing, Steve, you just mentioned the guys having jobs. I do look at that Auckland rugby team and I look at a number of those players. I think they should all have jobs. I think jobs just create some urgency. You want something done, ask a busy person to do it. You know, if you've got all day to train, you take all day to train. I don't just mean that in terms of training, but your mindset. I'll go for golf, I'll go for golf, we've got to go training. And I just wonder whether now the athletes under the Players Association, this massive trade union in the background, basically, where uh, part of the reason why we're not always performing is because, yeah, maybe there's just not that desperation anymore. Well, I could see the Auckland performance on the weekend, that there, that, uh, not on, on the weekend, sorry, last week on Wednesday night against Manuel too. There, there wasn't a lot of desperation. Um, I could see that and, you know, it, it came down to Auckland, I, I think in the end, not being fit enough. They they just kicked the ball. And, and there's no excuse for full-time athletes who are picking up money yep. not to be fit. Now, I, I say this, Steve, before you pass a rugby ball, before you kick a rugby ball, before you make a tackle, the basic fundamental of the game is still running. A game of rugby lasts for 80 minutes. I'd expect everyone to be able to run for 80 minutes. Now, whether that be jogging, you can tell me they're all too big and they're all going to get bloody shin, plunts, shin splints. But the biggest thing is, it's really simple. Be fit. Yeah, yeah, and you know all Auckland did was kick the ball back to Manawa too. It just like we're going to run it, and they just kept running it back, and they scored some late tries and, and won the match. And you know, I'm sure if the Auckland team could look at that and change some things, they would have done things a little bit differently. But yeah, just kicking the ball long and um, Manawa two were good enough just to keep carrying and look after the ball, and you know they got a win out of it. So. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of work to be done, but yeah, certainly a big fan of, of getting our game back to local. Um, whether in Auckland, it's to the local rugby clubs to play. I know they're playing one game out at Pakaranga towards the end of the season. So, you know, let's hope that continues and we we get a bit more club rugby. Um, the Auckland ITM Cup team playing at our club games and well, even you know, even taking you know, we, we I'm heavily I still take a big eye on the first fifteen stuff and some of the school grounds are. Stunning in terms of their condition. Imagine that Auckland playing Kings College this weekend, or Auckland taking, which again would attract a large South Auckland community, taking them to, yeah, some of the better school facilities around as well. Just to again take the game to the community because unfortunately, for this to work, it's got to be about re-engagement. It's got to be getting the fans back. Yeah, and also, you know, everything's so geared for TV, so it's so easy to sit at home and watch TV. So if you don't gear it for TV, you gear it for the spectator, 2.30 game at King's College and you can get a crowd there and watch it, then then that's easy. But because they need to be televised, um, then we have to – everything gets – played around the tele- television Yeah, but rights, if they're not careful, they're going to have nothing to uh, be televised uh, shortly. And yeah. if, if Sky are going to come eventually or the host broadcaster is going to come and go, hang on a minute, we've got little engagement. You placed a value on this five years ago. Sorry, we just don't believe the value's there in this. We believe the value's still there in the All Blacks, but we don't believe the value's here. The, the one thing they used to do in Aussie for the cricket, the cricket used to be massive in Aussie and when I was growing up, but if if the game was played in, in Sydney... Right, uh, the, the Aussie cricket team were playing in Sydney. It wouldn't be televised in Sydney until it yeah, was sold out. They called it blackout. Yeah, yeah, they do the same in the NFL in America. Yeah. I was at a game for, who was it? It was the Buffalo Bills, and it was a sellout. Once it was a sellout, then the local area got the live broadcast. Up to that was what they call a blackout. Yeah, it's a good idea to get bums on seats. You are listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. We will take a break. When we come back, we're going to just shift it up a little bit. We are going to talk to Chainsaw Laney, Brendan Laney, about Scotland's chances at this World Cup. But look, one of the talking points this afternoon, still keen to get some uh, feedback. Would you be happy to see MPC taken away from the big stadiums? Do you think there's some merit? First, from a 
unions being fiscally more responsible and play these games in smaller grounds and get that connectedness back with the community. Um, 0800 150 is the number. It is 29 minutes away from one. Flower of Scotland, you get goosebumps, but like Ireland doing sort of the fields of Athen Rye and some of those other great sort of uh, rugby anthems, I guess. Why? Why? I love Scotland. I think Scotland are going to do some good things at this World Cup. What frustrates the hell out of me, uh, Steve Devine, is the fact that everybody's talking up South Africa, everybody's talking up Ireland, but don't underestimate Scotland. Might just be one of the better, better Scottish sides ever ever put together what not since the time of Brendan Laney playing yeah well they're playing good rugby too it's not just you know how they it's how they're playing the rugby's which I enjoy they throw the ball around and hang on to it at times they you know they're they're a good team I'm looking forward to it it's just such a pity that team that the, the number 1 the number 2 and the number 5 ranked team in the world are all in the same pool mm. Anyway, speaking of which, uh, Chainsaw Laney joins us. Brendan Laney joins us, a man who played 20 tests for Scotland from 2001 to 2004. Brendan, good afternoon. Welcome. Thank you. How you going, guys? Doing well? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, um, What chance do you give Scotland at this World Cup? Do you share my frustration? Are they a dark horse or are they more than just a dark horse? They should be in the discussion anyway. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Look, it's the toughest pull, isn't it? Um, But gee whiz... uh, well, Stevie said they're playing some awesome rugby. Um, Greg has got them going really well. They've got a really good balance. Um, they've got some star players um, who have been performing in Europe for, for quite a number of uh, years, and, and hence the reason they're getting paid big money as well. And, they're, and they've got a really good balance to their to their forward play and back play. So, uh, oh, look, I, I know that everyone's talking up South Africa and, and uh, Ireland, but uh, I know that those both those teams will be looking at Scotland and thinking, gee whiz, we're going to have to perform on the day, or otherwise we'll get tipped up. So um, I think they're I think they're not a dark horse, but they're, they're certainly contenders. And um, if they get their game right, they'll beat anyone. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree anymore. I think the Africans might just be arrogant enough not to take them seriously enough. But you look at the games the Scots have played this year, they, they tend to um, bleed a few points early, but then fight hard and get themselves back in the game. And, they've, you know, they've they've got very close if they haven't not won a couple. So, mate, if, if they can hold the Africans tight to, to half time and run around a bit, because they hang on to the ball a lot, don't they? They like they really enjoy hanging on to that ball, especially later in the in the matches. If they can hang on to it, yeah. I think they can get over the top of the Africans. No, I totally agree, and, and I, I actually agree with you the, the fact that the uh, South Africans probably are arrogant enough to think that they're not going to be a big threat. Um, the leaking of the points is the one that probably concerns you the most because you play a South African side and they get a they get a bit of a roll on. They're bloody hard to stop. Um, Ireland, like the, the Scottish play the Irish every year, Six Nations wise, so they know they know what they're going to get when they play Ireland, um, and it's such a big game for them anyway. Um, but that's the African game for me is the one. Um, Tonga, they're going to be tough to get around as well. So, look, it's it's really is such an open um, World Cup this year. But I just think that pool there in particular is just going to be exciting to watch. And I really do hope the boys get up. I, it would be fantastic to see, um, you know, a side get up past the quarterfinals and, um, and get out of their pool in and, and, and such a tough pool as well. Mate, the one the one thing I see is happening, right? If if Scotland, this will throw the tournament on the, on its head, right? Because if Scotland can get over Africa at the start, uh, the Irish team, the Irish team can watch that game and, and just say Africa wins over Scotland, right? I I think then the Irish um, 
the Irish will have a go at Scotland with their A team, but then they play Africa the next week, the week before the quarterfinal. I think they'll play the B team. Uh, yeah, because yeah, no, they don't care if they finish fine. first or second. But you know, for 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 Ireland to go five really tough games in a row, being Scotland, Africa, a quarterfinal, semifinal, and then a final, I, I don't think they're up for it. I don't think they've. I, I don't think they can go five weeks in a row. So Steve, you think Ireland, and I'll get your thoughts here, Brendan, but they'll want to play the All Blacks in a quarterfinal, not the French, I would have thought. I, I don't think it'll matter to them. They've beaten the French this year and they've beaten the All Blacks last year. I don't think the Irish really care, but what I think they'll care about is them having to do it five weeks back to back. I don't think they can do it. I don't think they'll have the depth. Well, and that, that's going to be the tough part for them, isn't it? Yeah, that's five massive tests. Yeah. Um, look, and I, I suppose any, it's like any World Cup. You, if you want to be the best, you've got to play everyone. Um, but that is a hell of a tough run, in, isn't it? And that's, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. So if, if Scotland can top over Africa at the start, uh, yeah. Ireland's going to have to play. They're going to have to play their A team five weeks in a row. You know, and that's, that's going right. to hurt them. So, uh, uh, Brendan, why the sudden? Not why the sudden success. They've been building nicely. Um, the Scottish team over the years, but what, what what is it that they do? Is it does it come down to one or two or three key players, or is this just a collectiveness? What's the style of rugby? What's their key to success? Well, I think their first five and the coach start getting on a bit better because <laughs> <laughs> they were having arguments. Um, look, I just think they've got a really nice balance. Um, they've got some players out in the backs, in particular that. You know, their, their skill level's really high. They're, they're big boys. Vandermeer on the wing, he scored some fantastic tries in the Six Nations. He's dangerous. Um, but the thing I like re- the most is they're moving the ball from side to side and getting outside teams. Um, you know, defences now seem to be coming from outside in, and, and they're trying to get up around that midfield and shut people down or shut players down. And the Scottish are just finding a really nice way of getting outside of that and attacking down the wide channels. And that, and, and that's one of the parts that, that, that I think is really enjoyable because it's nice to it's nice to see them actually shifting the ball and, and getting out into those channels and, and scoring some bloody good tries. So well, I think that's where they're probably... They, they're, forwards, they're, they're not the biggest forward pack in the world. They never have been. Uh, but the, the balance between the forwards taking on, on the opposition and then moving the ball in the backs is it's just... I think Greg has got them going really well. I, I think they're now the Scottish team are now a world class team and looking after their own ruck yeah. ball. Like they tend to be able to hang onto the ball for long, long phases, which makes it very difficult for the teams like Africa. You know, they don't like long phases. They like lots of short little ones. So they get a breath before they get a rest before a scrum. They get a rest before a line out. So, I mean, if the Scots can get the ball, take the game deep, keep it close. And, and just you know, keep them, keep the Africans running around the field, keep them moving. They're, they're going to be in for a very tough day. Yeah, yeah Brendan, Brendan, just sorry, sorry, Brendan. I just want to come on to that earlier comment, just talking about South Africa. I mean, we talked about their arrogance, but it is a case for the South Africans, isn't it? They're very good at getting up against the All Blacks, giving it everything, and then just dropping their guard. We've seen them lose to Japan in World Cups previous. Yeah, exactly right. And, and look, they like beating teams up, don't they? That's exactly what they want to do, and and they did exactly that to the All Blacks last weekend when they put um, you know seven Fords on the beach. <laughs> what was that going to tell you? Well, they weren't going to shift it too far. They were just going to bash the hell out of us. Well, they'll try and do that to, to um, Scotland as well, but they'll get frustrated with the fact that the Scottish boys are holding on to the ball for long periods of time, and uh, and that might really count against them. Um, and that's where the Scottish boys are, you know, they're turning ball over, they're shifting it well getting it in the space and the, and the Safkins will get frustrated. 
Yeah. So um, it's going to be it's, it really is going to be a fantastic pool to watch. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a cracker opening game. That first weekend is going to be a cracker, yeah. right? There's some there's some really good matches coming up next weekend. Now, now, fifteen players for Scotland have appeared at previous World Cups: Richie Gray, Grant Gilchrist, Nell, as well as his standoff Finn Russell. This will be their third tournament. How important is experience, and how important is an injection of youthful exuberance? Oh, I think it's massive. Um, you know, uh, any guy that's played in you're playing in one of the biggest tournaments in the world for a rugby player. You know, you. You see the disappointment in guys who have missed out. Joe Moody, in particular, you know, the poor bugger, he, he's, he was building up to go to a World Cup. You know, there's a pinnacle of any player's um, career. So, um, you know, they have that experience, especially when they're onto their third tournament. And then you have, like you said, that mix of the new guys coming in who have never been there before. The team is mustered. It's all new and bright lights. And, and that's that, that, that rubs off on the guys that have been there before, too. So, um I think it's it, that, that's where I go back to that balance for the Scottish side. Mm. You know, they've got some really good experience. They've got some really good young guys coming in. And they've got a core of guys who are sitting around that 30, 40 test mark. Mm. Um, uh, that's what's making them a really nice balanced side. So um, that's got to help them, doesn't it? Got to help them. Leading into 2019 World Cup, I think Ireland might have almost been one of the pre-tournament favourites. Steve Hansen came out and said yes, but they've got to deal with the pressure of being number one. They've got to deal with the pressure of expectation. New Zealand and the All Blacks are used to it. We've had 100 years of having to get used to it, 130 years now. Is there much in that? Is the pressure on Ireland? Is the fact that they have been the great underachievers at a World Cup? And um, can teams exploit that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, uh, and I, I, I bring France into that as well because they're at home. Um, and people, I've spoken to a few other people around the, around the traps and they're saying, oh, well, the French are going to be fine. They're at home. They love it at home. But there's pressure, and pressure's massive. Um, they'll have home crowds, yes. Um, they'll be expected to win by big margins. And when it comes to the the, to the uh, tough end of the competition or the business end of the competition, that's when the pressure's the biggest. Um, yeah, they're going to get through their pools, we all know that. But when it comes to... Uh, and Ireland's a classic example. You know, they've been up there, they're number one in the world. Um, that, that's a, a pressure that we, like you said, New Zealand and, and, and OK Africa have had for a long, long time. We're expected to win every time we go out and, and also win by a lot. Well, that's, um, this is probably going to be the closest World Cup that we've ever had. And um, that's why I think some of those teams, particularly Ireland, and I, I really do think France, look, they're bloody dangerous, aren't they? You know, we, we've, we've seen how they play. They're playing some great rugby. But that pressure, and, and when it comes to big moments, um, that's going to be really, really interesting. And I, I, I personally think that France might struggle in that area. Yeah, I just look, I look, I look back, mate, when I talk about pressure and anyone else does, I look back at the 2011 final here at Eden Park. Yep. Possibly the greatest all-black team ever ever put on a field. And we are playing the French, uh, who lost to Tonga, who lost to us in the opening pool. They lost two pool games and still made it through, made it to the final, and it was 8-7. So, you know, being an underdog is not a bad thing, and that's why um, I, I was actually pretty happy the all-blacks got beat last week. I didn't want them to be humiliated the way they did, but that doesn't do us any you know harm as, uh, either. I just... I really felt like we needed a loss last week, and we got that. And it's a good thing going into the tournament, not being the favourites. Absolutely, that pressure can it can weigh pretty heavily on your shoulders. 
correct in in this. The best part about it is, look, if if they don't win this game, ah, uh, sorry, if they you know, obviously they lost the game and, and they end up winning the World Cup, no one's going to remember this African result. Well, I actually wasn't too phased about them losing the, the, against the Africans. The South Africans came out to beat us up. They tried and they did exactly that. We weren't on their game. I think guys were looking two weeks down the track, not trying to be injured, looking at a World Cup going, oh, I don't want to miss out. Mm. And, um, you know, and Test Rugby, is, as Stevie knows better than anyone, you only have to be a wee bit off your game and get exposed. Test Rugby is just faster. You don't have many, much time to make decisions. And the decisions you do make, you've got to be good ones. So, um, you know, like it's, it, it, we didn't play really poorly, but we just put in 100% on our game, and that showed. And, and then the South Africans took massive advantage of that. But I don't think we were looking at that game. We were looking for the down the trash as players. So um, I'm not concerned about it. I think they'll get in and fight. They're aiming at fights. They want to start, though. And they have to, to be fair. Brendan Laney, absolute privilege and a pleasure, my good man. Thank you for joining us on the program. And like I say, you've uh, got two big Scottish fans sitting right here, and we do hope they go a long yes. way in this tournament. Absolutely, boys. I'm looking forward to it, and I'll be up early watching every game. And uh, happy Father's Day to you, boys. Good on you. Yeah, good on you. There you go, the great Brendan James Hall Laney. Cheers, mate. He's a good man. Love the he? man. He is a good man. He is a good man. Quintessential New Zealand, mate. Oh, I tell you what, if they build, what, what do they always have that? Um, who do you put on your Mount Rushmore for the Highlanders and Otago? And you can go with your Ben Smiths and stuff, but I go with the characters. Yeah. I, I, I go back to the Laneys. I go back to the Mark Ellis's. Uh, what was his name? Um, the little halfback, um, Stewie Forster. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is quintessential Otago and Highlanders rugby, but they're also very successful as well with bringing a lot of personality to the game. We'll take a break. You are listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And tradies and builders, power your business with also Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It is 11 minutes away from one. Yeah, tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Mark Watson alongside me, former All Black Steve Devine. And we are taking your calls after one o'clock on 0800 150811. We are a week out from the Rugby World Cup. Next Saturday morning in New Zealand time, the All Blacks take on the French. Is it a game we need to win? Or as Steve was adamant about last week, yep, win it, but don't panic if we don't win it. It's all about ultimately winning the quarterfinal. But is winning a habit? Do you need that momentum? The game's following. The All Blacks should win. And I guess the other thing, Steve, and we can look at this after one o'clock, how many games in the pool play do you need to play your starting line up to absolutely make sure you've got 100% cohesion and your players are not rusty heading into that quarterfinal? What? Do you rest the week before? Do you rest them two weeks out and play the week before? No, and then potentially they could play the space, four games in the space of, what, 20-odd days because the quarterfinal, semifinal and final are within the space of 15 days. Yeah, listen, I don't think they need to get too carried away uh, this weekend against the French. Like, play and play hard, but I don't think it needs to be uh, treated as a quarterfinal because it's not. Um, because we will have three more games, and we only need to win those three games. So, whether we finish, whether we whether we finish one or two in our pool doesn't really matter. Okay, but if we if we get beaten up badly, if we get beaten up badly by the French, just say we go out there and we get beaten up badly by a French team in the opening game. We've been beaten up badly by South Africa two weeks prior to that. There are going to have to be some doubts in those players' minds. You can spin it all you want, but there would be some serious yeah. doubts in that team. Yeah, but you see, I, I, I think it can have the opposite effect. I think it can bring a team closer together. Uh, you know, And we've seen it. Let's let's go back two years when they went to Africa and they, they got pumped and they had another 
um, they had the other game and Foster's job was on the line and, and what do they deliver you know sometimes when you when you're up against it uh, that's when you deliver your best and you know that's that's what they need to worry yep. about is I'm that quarterfinal the, yep. they don't need to win the, they don't need to beat the French the first game they need to beat Ireland or Africa or Scotland in the, in the quarterfinal yeah and I do say it and I think the greatest ingredient an athlete can have is passion and desire and sometimes the only way you truly truly test it is in an adverse situation when all the chips are down when you're at absolute rock bottom do you stay in bed or do you get out of bed? We'll have that conversation after one o'clock. You're listening to SENZ, courtesy of Bunnings. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. By a lonely prison wall I heard a young girl call Michael, they have taken you away For you stole Trevelyan's corn So the young might see the morn Now a prison ship lies waiting in the bay Once we watched the small free birds fly Our love was on the wing We had dreams and songs to sing It's so lonely around the fields of Athenry One of the great songs, the Fields of Athenry, the unofficial anthem of Irish rugby and ready for that to be done maybe ad hoc by the Irish fans at the Rugby World Cup. Pressure. Can the Irish handle the pressure and the expectation of being the best side in the world? The fact that they beat New Zealand last year, did they perhaps show New Zealand the way to beat them this year? Did they put all their cards out on the table 18 months too early? We will find that out over the next six to eight weeks. Absolutely fascinating. A lot of guys, games live here on SENZ. Mark Watson, Steve Devine with you through to 2 o'clock this afternoon. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, and we do want to get your thoughts on 0800 150 uh, Just after 12 this afternoon, we looked a little bit at the MPC. Um, we saw Canterbury yesterday take a game to Rangiora. The game was just on Sky being replayed earlier, and it was just amazing how great the crowd was. It's a competition we all so desperately want back. We want it to become appointment viewing again. We want it to become the default setting when it comes to the domestic game in this country. My concern is though that perhaps the horse has already bolted. But maybe to rebuild it, maybe to get it back, that's what all the unions need to do. Get out of the big traditional stadiums and take it to the smaller club grounds, the more smaller rural grounds within the region, possibly even at schools. Get the walk-up crowds and let people watch former All Blacks, those on the peripheral, Super Rugby stars, up close and personal. I'd like to get some thoughts on that. Anyone that was at Rangiora yesterday, what was that experience like? Is that the model for MPC going forward? The spin-off too is that these unions save a lot of money. 
it costs an awful lot of money for Auckland to open up Eden Park with security and everything else that goes with it. Money you could better spend in other aspects of the game. So if you want to touch on that, I'd love to hear from you. Steve, would love to hear from you. I-800-150-811. Oh, we just played the Fields of Ath and Rye. Um, so I just want to throw another little theme. What are those great anthems, Steve? I mean, did you ever get to play at Cardiff Arms Park with the Welsh anthem? Because that, yep. to me, is on my bucket list, along with Anfield and You'll Never Walk Alone. I played it. I played it. Uh, it's now called, well, when I was playing, it's called Millennium. Yep. Uh, and the roof was on, and there was eighty thousand packed in there, and it was it was incredible. I've never I've never heard noise like it. It was it was uh, just phenomenal. The whole match was it was it How was do amazing. How you control your emotions? Uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. For me, it was easy. It's just uh, concentrating on doing my job as well as I could. There's all I need had to worry about. But um, it was just it was it was so it was so hard playing. Um, I had to. Uh, used so much more energy trying to communicate because it was just so loud, it was deafening. So, you know, the the amount of effort I had to yell to, to make calls, um, relay calls around to ten and to the hookers and whatnot. It was it was just you know I was exhausted mm. just from yelling, trying to yell so much. So we got the Flower of Scotland, which is one of the great anthems. Yep, um, La Marseillaise. The Irish, the Irish do go pretty good with theirs. I love their their their, their uh, anthem. Um, French is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I think the New Zealand national anthem is Māori is way better than English, and I think it's got a really nice ring to it. I, I've always struggled with the South African one. I, I just can't get into it. Yeah, they do, but they do. I, I guess it's hard. You know, theirs is in what four different languages. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, they 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 love it, um, especially when you're playing in Africa. I mean, they really love they mm. really love belting it out. So, you know, it's a, it's a great part of um, international sport is is the anthems and particularly those. Um, yeah. You know, the Welsh and the Irish are yeah, pretty special. I, I would love to hear from anybody as a fan that's gone along and heard any of those anthems live um, outside of New Zealand, particularly those that have gone and maybe played in Wales, played in Cardiff, uh, Flower of Scotland, etc. Uh, the emotion, it's something that we just don't do well here. We're not, we're not a crowd who like to sing. We have these barriers up. We're all a bit shy. We all, you know, we're a little bit insular, aren't we, at times? That's not the case in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, maybe it's just something that's always been part of football and it's just flowed into rugby as well. 0800 150 We've got some other issues that we do want to discuss as well. It is Father's Day, so we've let a lot of our guests off this afternoon because they are out for lunch with their family and kids, which we completely understand. So we want you to be a part of the show. We think talk back and we think radio is a better experience when you jump on the phones. Hi, Joey. Yeah, g'day, mate. Look, I was just saying to your producer, um, probably got to go to uh, Eden Park number two, and and whether whether they develop it even more, it's got a grandstand there or whatever for the rugby, NPC and that. Um, but if you'll get a better atmosphere, it's, it's like anywhere. If you go to anywhere, even these small football clubs in England, and they got three thousand people, you know the atmosphere is huge because you come compact and. and it's far better, you know. Other than that, they could go to Western Springs where they were thinking of going. Um, at least that's got the concrete, you know, uh, there and the stands there and that. It might be, might be a little bit far away from the, the field. But, um, you know, because Eden Park, um, for Aucklanders, what, going to watch Auckland play at the moment, it's like, put, I just said to your producer, it's like putting two people in a car park that's got 400 spaces. Well, 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 Joey, jo- Joey, the best description I ever heard was Chris Radu from the New Zealand Herald who described it as a cemetery with chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, well, well, you know, you know what I'm saying, eh? You know, because look, in Auckland, I mean, I know, and and look, I'm one of them too. We're one of the world, the the New Zealand's worst for going to games when you can watch it on television to get the atmosphere. But but when you do go there, um, you know, you, if you're sitting down and, and and there's a gap of about, you know, there's no one there within. 30 metres of, of, of you, and that, it, 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 looks, it looks terrible, and it's probably terrible for the people that, that go there. You know, where, okay, I mean, you look at even, I take my hat off to um, the Warriors at, at Mount Smart. I mean, they still used to get probably 15,000 people there, or, you know, regular, even when they were, weren't going too well. But, you know, so I think, I think we need, in Auckland, we need to, to take it. I mean, I don't know where there's another another place where everyone will go. If you go out west, a lot of people from south won't go. If you come out south, a lot of people from west won't come. Um, so, you know, you you could go to, say, Merton Road, but then you'd have to develop yeah. that, Look, you know. I, I, so I, I, I would just... Yeah, number two. yeah, I think Western Springs is a really, really nice option, and I think with the water damage from Cyclone Gabrielle, I know Ponsonby, it's still a hell of a mess. It'd be the perfect time now to spend some money on the infrastructure. I'd still want it to remain a speedway track. That's the problem, right? If you, but if you're gonna, if you want to create atmosphere, you got to put the, the the spectators on top of the field, and by having a, a speedway track around the outside, you're not going to be able to do that. So if you, if you yeah, want to, see, if you want to take rugby to to Western Springs, you've got to get rid of uh, Speedway. Yeah, but Steve, also you got you look look at Eden Park. You're not exactly right on the on the ground. Oh yeah, it's, it's a horrible Park. field. I, I I went I went um, last Saturday. I went to Eden Park and I watched uh, Auckland play Hawks Bay, and I was sitting in the Northern Stand, the ASB Stand, and I, I I was said to a mate, I was about halfway up, right on halfway, and I was like, I'm I'm 50 meters from the sideline here. Not, not, not to the middle of the pitch. It's 50 metres just to the sideline. And it was just like, you know, whoever designed that needs an uppercut, honestly. Yeah, yeah, uh, Joey, I was just looking at the highlights of that game at Rangiora yesterday. I mean, those that got there and got up against the advertising hoardings and the crowd control barriers may as well have been running the touch. You know, that's how close they got to it. And, you know, great experience for them to sort of feel like, well, I could be out here on the wing. The ball just hasn't come my way and get a real feel for the physicality and the gladiatorial nature of it and the speed of the game. Well, that's what it's all about, but guys. But also, too, you know, what do you what do you think about developing, slightly developing number two a little bit, or even just this this season playing playing one or two games at number two and see how it goes. That's Mate, what you do. You play games at number two to see how it goes. If that doesn't work, you look for something else. It's not hard. Yeah. So I know for it's a fact. There. I know for a fact that Auckland was pretty keen to play at number two, and they were pretty keen to develop the Western Stand. To have a grandstand on both sides and have offices and a training facility there, but um, cricket wouldn't allow them to do so, and that's why there's because a... cricket just get record crowds as well. I mean, it's just a joke. Cricket shouldn't even be playing there either. They should be at Merton Road. Well, cricket number two cricket number two cricket oval is is the worst cricket oval in the world. Like it's it's not even a, a good shot, and you're on Sandringham yeah, Road. We're just too small a country to have such division. Hey, Joey, lovely to have you on the program, mate. Really do appreciate you phoning in. Thank you for listening. It is 11 minutes after one. You're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson, Steve Devine. Telephone number is 0800 150811. Uh, fascinating, fascinating discussion about taking grounds more into boutique grounds, um, getting them out of the stadiums where there seems to be exorbitant costs associated with it. And could that... Yeah, look, as I said earlier, we can blame New Zealand rugby for the damage they've done to the NPC, and I do. You know, they've made us all-black fans, not rugby fans. It's all been about the all-blacks and... 
uh, I think, to their detriment. However, it is what it is now. Now it's up to the unions to be more fiscally responsible. Playing at Eden Park, playing at North Harbour Stadium, playing at Wellington Stadium, to me, is fiscally irresponsible. You might want to have your say. 0800, and that's just those centres. There are other grounds, Waikato, etc. 0800-150811 is the number. Uh, Steve, you've got a couple of other topics that you just wouldn't mind getting out there in terms of starting lineups. Yeah, we'll have a chat about uh, who we think um, is going to start for the All Blacks against the French on Saturday morning. Start of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, we can talk all black teams. Um, we can talk uh, maybe a few options about the other teams. Um, obviously, South Africa have Scotland um, on I, Sunday morning. And I want to talk about, and I think Eddie Jones is right, with South Africa putting seven forwards on the bench and changing their whole forward pack out. Some people can say that it's um, against the spirit of the game. I'm a little bit along the lines of Eddie Jones. I think it's just an innovation and I've got no problem with it. And so I would like to get your thoughts on that after the break as well. Twelve and a half minutes after one, lines are open. Jump on the phone, have your say. Text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Someone has just texted and say, you forgot Jimmy Cowan, fellas, on Mount Rushmore. Quite possibly the angriest man to ever come out of Southland. Uh, yeah, the whole Mount Rushmore thing, it's done during a little bit during the week. I'm not a big one on list, but I guess we did say that Chainsaw Laney would be on our Highlanders Mount Rushmore. And Stevie and I were just saying if it was based more on, you know, I'd have Mark Ellis there, I would have had um, uh, um, 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 Anton who, Oliver to have to go probably pretty close. I, 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 had, I had Stewie Forster because of the personalities. And if you're going to base it on personality and also excellence, I think you'd start Auckland, definitely Zinzan Brook and Carlos Spencer, and then you could have the debate on the other two or three. Fitzpatrick would have to, probably have to be there. Yeah. God, yeah. Michael Jones. Yeah, but he'd have his own mountain, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's probably. You'd build a pyramid in the Statue <laughs> of Giza. He would be his own, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd yeah. be one of the seven wonders of the world, mate. Yeah, Canterbury, you'd have Black out of there because he's one of those great stalwarts of Canterbury rugby, everything. Richie. Yeah, you'd probably have Reuben Thorne, but you'd turn up and he'd be missing Ooh, in the action. That's gonna 14, that's gonna that's gonna that's four, gonna cost you. Fourteen minutes after one. Just joking, one is the number. Tradies and builders power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Mark Watson, Steve Devine with you. Telephone numbers 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. Uh, Steve, there's been a bit of discussion around the All Blacks tactics against the All Blacks in terms of the bench. Seven forwards, one back in their eight reserves. Um, a couple of British media people, and sorry, just his name just... Um, Matt Williams, Matt Williams. he did come yeah. out, yeah. He said very much felt it was against the spirit of the game. Eddie Jones from Australia has just called it innovation. Um, I don't have a problem with it. It's up to you how you want to set up your reserves off the bench. Sport is about evolution. It's looking for an edge. What do you make of it? What are the strengths and what are the weaknesses if, in fact, South Africa looked to employ this during the World Cup, particularly against their biggest opponents. Yeah, well, it works well for Africa because they're a very set-piece orientated team, right? And there's not a lot of running, so they can... And they're big guys. And, and they're big guys. and they not br- as fit. And they bring on bigger guys, right? So it, it works well for them up until they get a couple of injuries in the back line and then they're in trouble. But they've got a they've got a fullback who can play 10. They've got a 10 who can play fullback. They've got a winger who can play nine. Um, so... Yeah, they 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 can they can pull it off, and they're happy to run with a, a reserve halfback, and and um, and that's about it. And he can play, 
He can play the wing. Just if they picked up a couple injuries in the centres, they they could they could be caught pretty short. Imagine being in a quarter final and you pick up an injury early. You 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 you're in for a long day. And I guess that's the risk they're willing to take. You, you say they're fullback. Sorry, who's the fullback? We're talking uh, about Williamson. Williamson can play at halfback, but oh no, he can play. He can play at ten. He, he is at ten. They can yep. play at fullback and and even move into the centres. I think as well, all the wing. So, but I mean, yeah, we can play halfback, but. You've still got to be a little bit more than I can play halfback. It's such a specialised position. We see the importance of an Aaron Smith. We see the importance of a Roy Gard and, and what a genuine halfback can do versus, say, what a part-timer can do. Yeah, but if if the part-timer only needs to pass to a forward, standing five metres away to truck it up, which is what the Africans mostly do, it's it's, it's not it's not entirely difficult to have um, the winger, the little the little winger, Chelsea, Chelsea he he recovers as, as a halfback. So it's not it's not... Difficult, difficult. They're not throwing the ball around like the All Blacks do. They go pretty much. They don't go too away, too far away from the forward. So it's the game plan doesn't change a lot by having a nine who can run the ball. How important is it that against South Africa these referees are across time wasting? Oh. Because it is very much part of the South Africans. The number of injuries these guys pick up, the number of bootlaces that need to be tied up again to allow them to play they want to play, which then. I guess shuts down opposition's tactics for negating their forward play. Yeah, well, it's just you know the slower they can get it, uh, they've got the big strong men that don't move so fast. So the slower they can slow the game down, the better it is for them. And you know that's where traditionally we struggle. We we look at the games where the refs allowed open play, like uh, us versus South Africa at Mount Smart Stadium earlier this year. Open flowing rugby, All Blacks had the ball, hung on to the ball a lot. Uh, ran them around. They 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 really struggled to move the big men around the park. But vice versa, we got a Twickenham two weeks ago, and the first half took near just over an hour, I think, to play forty minutes of rugby, and it was slow, lots of rests, lots of stoppages, and and we just struggled to get a game going. You know, All Blacks dominate themselves on using their speed and their pace. The last twenty minutes were run over the top of them. If it's a slow match and we haven't had that speed and pace, it's it's very difficult to run over the top of someone. Oh, 800 150 is the number. I've got my young son in studio today. It's Father's Day. He decided he wanted to come in. He's just cracked open a can of something. That's probably what the clicking you can hear in the background. Anyway, uh, look, yeah, it's, 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 um, we, there needs to be laws in place. And they need to be well and truly uh, instigated to allow teams to negate their big forward play and opposition's allowing to try and run them around. Otherwise, yeah. you're just giving a massive advantage to one team who have picked a team built around a game plan. Yeah. We, what we have to do, we have to, we, first of all, we have to sit down and, and work out what is going to be entertaining to watch because that's where we lose, that's where rugby's losing at the moment. Okay, well, it, get rid of England. Yeah. Well, get rid of, <laughs> get rid of it. The English making rules. That's what we need yeah. to get rid of. We yeah. need to make at a global game and what is what rules are going to best make this game entertaining. And I don't think that's to go from set piece to set piece, from scrum to scrum to, to line out more, to line out more. I just don't think that is entertaining to me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people around the world that also think that. So we have to make it entertaining. Now, for me, entertaining is lots of rucks. The team in the ball has all rights to the ball. Lots of rucks, lots of quick rucks, and lots of tries. That's entertaining, right? Lots of th- throwing the ball through the back line, bit of space, and lots of tries. And that's where we should. That's where I believe we should try and get to is is an entertaining game, which is not even more so free flowing than rugby league that has a set of six and a play the ball, stop, 
six tackles, kick the ball, rah, rah, rah. We just need it to be open and flying. Like, no one will disagree that the early days of Super Rugby was probably some of the best rugby ever played um, because it was flowing. It was open and flowing, lots of running, lots of tries. And, and that's yeah, what but the Northern Hemisphere have never played that way. Well, but look what happens when we put Northern Hemisphere in charge is that, is that we get the game that we've got now, which is rolling malls and, and scrums and penalty kicks and penalty advantages. It's just, it's, I, I just don't find it to be entertaining. 0800-150-811 is the number. You can text us here on double eight double three. Text that's come in earlier, um, it says, Hi, Otto and Steve. I can see the Yarpies not getting out of their group. I hope so. The first game, if Scots can beat South Africa, that pool will open right up. Um, go the Jocks and Paddies. Cheers from Anthony. South Africa arrogance, someone says. You heard Jeff Wilson after the last game. That's arrogance. Look, I'll be honest, I don't watch the breakdown. I don't watch any post stuff on Sky. You've got to understand with Sky too, part of the reason why there's not a high level of engagement. They are just basically a PR firm for New Zealand rugby. They'll never say anything negative against them. It does my head and they wonder why no one's watching them. Other texts, uh, yeah, that's, that's so there's some key points there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the Africans are a little bit arrogant. I, I'm, I think, I think the, the way they beat the All Blacks two weeks ago, I, I think they're not going to bring Pollard into the team, and they're going to we're going to they're going to keep those two young number tens they got. I, I just think that, yeah, if if they lose a quarter final, if they even lose to Scotland and and not go through to a quarter final, that'll be a, a massive a massive fallback on everyone. How important or how much influence will I mean? We know the referees are going to have a huge influence on this World Cup: red cards, yellow cards. But for teams to beat South Africa with the way they want to play, you'd be hoping a Southern referee's going, a Southern Hemisphere referee is going to be in charge because they tend to allow the game to flow a little bit better. We saw that last week when Fiji beat England versus the absolutely dire game we witnessed between New Zealand and South Africa. Nothing to do with us losing, just as you said, about an hour for the first half. Yeah. And yeah, that's what it comes down to. They're like they're all they're all a little bit different. It's about getting your head around what's going to be allowed and what's not going to be allowed. So. Yeah, if we if the All Blacks can get a fast-paced game, a fast-tempo game with uh, lots of movement, then we're going to be looking pretty good. Mm. And if we can't, and there's some referees that that certainly struggle to allow a quicker game, then then we're going to struggle. But we can't have TMOs coming into the degree we had oh, last week either. We can't have all of these assistant referees. You know, the guys on the sideline, I know they're referees in their own rights. And I heard this, I probably we've talked about this before, Steve, but referee once said to me that I had on the programme, he said, the biggest problem with a lot of the uh, assistant referees is that they just can't get out of the habit of looking at what's happening at the breakdown from the sidelines at looking at every other aspect of the game rather than just doing their job which is monitoring offside and monitoring forward passes yeah when they get heavily involved it, it slows the game down and that's what we don't want so you know, I, I I think the I think the three the the two people on the sideline and the one in the bunker, the one the match official ref should be looking for foul play, and, and that's about it. Helping the referee with forward passes and knock ons, and, and other than that, we we just have a game of rugby. Yeah, they're gonna miss some stuff, and and, and, and I'm I'm happy with and, that. And, and I thought the rule was when you go back, you could only go back two phases or something to pick up a forward pass or some indiscretion. That seems to be now. Let's go back ten phases. Yeah, it's, you can go back anywhere, and there's no clarity around it. No, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think for foul play, yep. If you find some foul play, then then let's have a look at it and get it out of the game because that's fair. We need to look after the players, and 
But yeah, like every two seconds, a, a match official saying something over the comms about we need to do this or that. It just, it just, it's going to slow the game down. And I don't, I don't think, as a as a spectator of this game rugby, that that's what I'll. Well, it's it shouldn't gonna, be about yeah, the referees, yeah, right? but it's going to help South Africa, isn't it? It's just going to help South Africa. Everything's set up at the moment with the Northern Hemisphere refereeing officiating. They'll, they don't even need to deliberately try and slow it down. The bloody referees will slow it down enough. That's my great frustration. Uh, Twenty-eight and a half minutes after one. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Uh, we've got the temper bedpost text machine double eight double three. Jump on the phone, have your say. Uh, you've heard the discussion. Anything in there that you wish to pick up on, which you wish to add your voice to, we'd love to hear from you. You are listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there as well. Uh, special thanks again, of course, to Bunnings Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Mark Watson, Steve Devine with you through to two o'clock. Our rugby league fans, Warriors fans, we'll bring you some highlights. Are there such things as highlights if your team loses? Their highlights, or are they just called what are they called? Key moments. We'll bring you key moments, key moments, <laughs> um, and just get your thoughts, any concerns. Does it stop your momentum losing, or the fact that we just freshened up a large group of our guys and get ready for next week? We can do that. Uh, we're also going to talk um, some surf lifesaving. We're going to talk the World Lawn Bowls Championships. We are also going to talk some. Q Sports, Billiards, Pool, New Zealand 8-Ball Championships underway. Just something slightly different, just mix it up here a little bit. Uh, but Steve Devine, we were talking during the break again, the All Black team to take on the French. I mean, it's not going to be too different from the All Black side that took the field against the box. Well, I think there'll be a few changes to that, depending on injuries. I, I think the team will be as close as possible to the team that took on South Africa at Mount Smart Stadium. That's what I think the team will be. So, again, depending on whether Lomax is fit and available from that laceration to his knee, uh, he'll be in. And I think Cody Taylor will come back into two. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, Eden De Groot will probably stay as the other prop. And then Brody's probably still a week away. Yeah, they won't risk him, will they? No, so they'll they'll go with Scott Barrett and um, Sam Whitelock. And then Sam Kane, Artie Sevilla, and again, if uh, Shannon Frizzell is available, he had a slight hamstring niggle. So if he's, he's not a, if he's not available, how does that loose forward trio mix um, look? Well, possibly you bring um, Jacobson in to go to six or um, you probably you might move Vi in to play at lock and move Scott Barrett to six uh, or you bring Dalton into seven and you move Sam Kane to six so um, there's there's a few options there for the back row um, based around Brazil. but if you look back at Rizal, like he's he's he was the number one ball carrier in all of the um, rugby championship for the All Blacks so not having him against the <laughs> Springboks at Twickenham, so like it really hurt because he is a big ball carrier for us. It's amazing, isn't it, how he's just had that breakthrough season. Oh, he's always been there. He's always been one of those sort of selections which has always created a bit of contention and a bit of discussion. You know, often you hear about players, yeah, they can do it at Super Rugby level but can't quite take that step up. And I think everyone's been waiting for what do you see in him and then this year he's delivered, hasn't oh, he? Oh, he's had the best, the best season. He, he's been the best All Black this year. Uh, probably him and Scott Barrett have been the two the two standouts this year. Mm. I, I would imagine uh, quite easily. Um, and then with the backs, um, with the backs, they pretty much picked themselves. I, uh, you know, it's going to be um, Aaron Smith. You go Aaron Smith, and then you go Richie Moanga, Geordie Barrett, uh, Rico. I still don't like that midfield, but anyway, that's what it's going to be. It's not my choice. Yeah, Will Jordan, Mark Talia, and Bodie at the back. Mm. I think that'll mm. be the back line. See, the thing that just scares me here, Steve, is that. 
and I might have said it last week, but at the end of the day, we've got a first five playing fullback. We've got our best fullback playing on the wing. We've got our best winger playing at centre. We've got a fullback playing at second five eight. I, I don't know, mate. History just says it doesn't work. Yeah. I would, for me personally, Will Jordan's the greatest, the best fullback in the country, and yep. he should be playing a fullback. I have no doubt about that. But I, I just think for the French game, I think they'll go with a bit of experience. Then we may, we may see over those next three games in the pool plays, we may see, uh, we may see Will Jordan get another opportunity at the back uh, as a fullback and see what he's got. Uh, anyone listening wants to jump and have their say on some of those areas? Back up at six. Do you possibly put Scott Barrett in the mix at six? Do you bring Vay in at lock? Uh, do you bring Josh Lord in possibly at lock uh, if you are going to play Barrett at six or who's your six if it's not Shannon Rizal? 0800 Text us here on double eight double three. If you have just joined us too, MPC, is it a better product now if we take it out of the big stadiums, take it to the smaller grounds? Unions now need to be fiscally more responsible. Is that money and that cost saving, that cost cutting better spent elsewhere? 0800 Let's go to your raw black bench because that, I guess, is a key thing too. The players that you bring off the bench. I'm going to start, and I'm not for some reason I sense you're not a big fan, but I am. Does Roy Gard is he your starting backup halfback, or do you go with Finlay Christie? I, I like Finlay, but I think Roy Gard's probably going to get the nod. Uh, 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 what he's done uh, against the Africans at Twickenham, well, I think well, they'll bring well, him what in. What aren't you convinced on about Roy Gard that you can? Because I think there's a lot of people that are not necessarily convinced on Finlay Christie either. Yeah, I just, I just think uh, experience right now. That's the only thing for me. He's just he, until last week he wasn't proven at all. Like he hadn't played, he played 10 minutes at the back end of a test. You know? But isn't this Rugby World Cup where you bring in those unexpected, oh, right. where you bring in those players no one's seen, you bring something a little bit different? Um, Nihi Mung was scattered to a degree at the last World Cup. Yeah, like I think Roy Gard did enough against Africa at Twickenham to say that he's probably moved himself on to a bench position at nine. So, I, yeah, I, w- I would think that would be one changes to the bench. I think Anton Leonard-Brown will definitely come back onto the bench as midfield cover. And then we may see a McKenzie or we may see a specialised outside back in Caleb Clark. Okay, Takiyahi, back up. Thing. What, yeah. what, what, just curious, why don't you start with him when you know early on it's going to be a little bit more confrontational, a little bit more physical, and then bring Taylor on when the game opens up and is a little bit more expansive? Yeah, I think they do it the other way around. Once the game opens up, uh, they bring um, Tokyo on to to carry and rumble hard around um, around the fringes. So, so a little bit more around the fringes yeah. versus Taylor, who tends to play a little wider. Especially in those late the late 10, 20 minutes of the game when they're trying to get a bit of momentum, they're trying to move the ball around, they're trying to get it some open rugby. He he tends to be able to carry a bit easier. So, I think that's what they'll do there. Um, yeah, again, I mean, Vai has got to be the lock because he's pretty much the only other lock cover. Um, and a Lucy Jacobson will, will be the Lucy cover because he covers six, seven, and eight. So that makes it pretty easy. Um, the props, you probably have Big Tamti and Tuanga Vasi and, and Offer. Offer can they, yeah. La Lala. Uh, they've got La Lala. So plenty, there's plenty of prop options, if, yeah. even if Lomax is um, still not available. And you think maybe Caleb is a utility? Or, or Lester. Um, as as an option to, on the bench because he can cover yeah. possibly midfield as well and is big and strong and can carry hard. So they've, they've certainly got options. 20 minutes away from two, 0800 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. I, I want to ask you this. Um, 
the French. Uh, I mean, we always remember the French, Patrice Lajeskay, Philippe Salah, um, some of the great players that came here in 1987 and continued. And um, But it seems to me the French have moved a little bit away from that open-running rugby and tend to play a little bit more of the 10-man game, which has been effective for them. Got a lot, a lot of big boys. What can we realistically expect from the French? Are they going to beat us up like South Africa? Or are we going to see them play the expansive game, which in the past has been so successful in terms of the great victories over the All Blacks, going right back to Bastille Day in 77? Yeah, so the French, the French, seventy nine, the French are a team that um, really operate on momentum. Like they really, they 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 will play not well for long periods and struggle, and then all of a sudden some clicks and they get some momentum, and then they're really hard to stop. Like last weekend, so they they often go very quickly off scrums and lineouts to their big their big centres, and they carry hard over the advantage line, and then they use their big you know athletic forwards around the corner and uh, get really good momentum with good quick ruck ball and get you on the back foot. That's that's the French game right now. They kick well. Uh, Dupont from nine, he'll he'll run out of the off the back of the ruck. He'll run from a scrum. He'll do um, clever cross kicks. You know, willy nilly. So to stop the French, for me to stop the French, it's all about stopping their momentum. If you if you have a good defensive line and you get up in their face and knock them over. Uh, so you've got to take Dupont out of the game, and you know that. You've got to make him pass. Often only as good as what their forward pack so are doing. You've got to make him pass. So all your ruck ball, you've got to you've got to have the two guys closest to the ruck going at nine and making him pass. If he, as soon as he passes that ball, the French are an easy team. But if he's got the ball, he's running around, throwing offloads, kicking, th- then we're in trouble, right? But we just if you make him pass, make him pass fast, then then we're, we're halfway to winning the game. Good line speed, knock him over. And um, and that's a big part of the French game. That's a really big part of the French game. Their outside backs are quick. The wingers chase kicks really good, so they've got a great kicking game. They'll chase a ball all day, and they and they're fast. So we've got to um, just don't give them easy advantage line ball, and and we will go all right. Oh, 800-150811. We've got a question that's coming regarding Julian Severe. He's going to let go of the Hurricanes. We'll look at that one when we do come back. Any other questions you've got? Anything else you want to discuss? Things are going to change up next week. Clearly, it's going to be very much a World Cup focus on the Bunnings Tray rugby run going forward. Um, but there are a few issues still hanging around, uh, NPC being a big one. So feel free. Uh, Steve is with us through to 2 o'clock and then between 2 and 4 we're going to change it up, mix it up, look at some Warriors, look at a few other sports as well. Jump on those phones. That is our cue, seven, uh, 13 minutes away from 2 o'clock. You are listening to SENZ. It is Mark Watson, Steve Devine. Uh, I was just having a wee, wee, wee think there. So, yeah, things start to get serious next weekend. Rugby World Cup should be a really cool time. It uh, won't be a cool time if we do get knocked out. I hope a nation does mourn if we do lose. I hope there is not that level of apathy in it. Um, I, I keep saying I think a lot of rugby in this country has been sacrificed in the name of the All Blacks in the name of this World Cup and for those reasons we do need to win and we need to win well um, let's talk surprises mate Rugby World Cup let's talk let's have a chat about a few possible uh, surprises now the teams that you may not have heard about that I think are going to go pretty well at this tournament well, we've already talked Scotland Scotland I think Scotland in with a real good chance um, the other teams I like Fiji um, Fiji are in a pretty pretty reasonable pull with Wales and Australia. I think Fiji can beat both of those teams. I, But you've said it too. Who are the other teams in that pool? Uh, Georgia and Portugal. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. They get up against Wales, they get up against Australia, and then for some reason drop their guard to possibly Georgia, which could come back and bite them. My only problem I have with Fiji is 
can they play the level of rugby required, the level of rugby we saw against England consistently week in, week out for a string of four or five games? I'm not sure they can. I, I think the new Fijian style, I think they can. I think uh, I think the draw has been remarkable for Fiji years. Probably it's probably the greatest story in world rugby this year. What the draw have done and where they've come from uh, in Super Rugby, and and they've just gone on. A lot of those boys are in that Fijian team, and they've they've just the I think that's the one thing they've learned from Super Rugby and having a team there is is to play week in week out. And I I, I think they're a changed team. I think they're going to go well, but also in that pool, I think Georgia. I think Georgia are going to cause us upset at this World Cup. I think they will beat Wales or Australia. What style of football did Georgia play? I, I sort of imagine it's a little bit like the box rely on just big ball carrying, big forward pack, a little bit like the Argies. There's there's rumours, there's stories going around. Even when they knock the ball on, the forwards are still yelling, yes, it's scrum time. They love a set piece. They, they're they a, a good line-out mall team. They're a good scrum team, and they love the physical. They're, they're wrestlers, right? They grow up wrestling okay. bears. So we've got Fiji and we've got Georgia Yep, as two teams who potentially could go on a run and we should always say this there will be that one team at the World Cup that go on a run we've seen it Japan we've seen it Argentina when Argentina perhaps didn't have the reputation they had we saw Manu Samoa uh, back in 91 for some reasons go on that run so these are teams potentially who could go on the run I'm not going to include Scotland in that because I think Scotland are there are just a good rugby playing nation anyway yeah so yeah so for me people I've got money on um Georgia to beat Australia in the in, in the first weekend of, of the World Cup. I think at thirteen dollars, I think that it's great. I think that's great money, and I I honestly truly believe they can do that. I think they'll just set piece Australia to death. That'll go from <laughs> what will that to do for Eddie Jones? I'd love that oh. press conference afterwards. You guys, you guys, I can't, are I, just always so negative. Yeah, you're negative. You just wait till that quarter final. Yeah, I just think I just I think the Georgians can do it. I seen a little documentary on them the other day, and they they've just they're priming. They're absolutely priming for that match. I think it's going to be the time Japan beat South Africa. You know, South Africa weren't quite yeah. prepared for what truly is coming in front my, of them. My concerns with the teams like Georgia is whether they can adjust and adapt to the interpretation of the referees at the breakdown. Do they understand the rules well enough? Do they understand the subtleties well enough? I think it was an area that cost, um, where it cost Moana Pacifica this year in Super Rugby at times, just giving away too many penalties in the area of the dark arts. A lot of the boys are professional players up in the UK. Um, they, they, they're a good team. And uh, I, yeah, I just think, I, I think they're going to produce something. They're tough boys. I think they're going to produce something that Australia finds hard to beat. And that's when a team doesn't try and run around them. A train just tries to go over the top of them. And Georgians, the Georgians will do that. They'll, they'll just wrestle them off their feet. Mm-hmm. And they'll, I, I think they're a really good chance. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's talked about Samoa yet. I, I went up and saw them absolutely beat Tonga up, who were a good side on paper. Um, the key thing with both Samoa and Tonga, it's going to come down to fitness for those sides. If they're fit, look out. If they go up there slightly underdone fitness-wise, yeah, they'll be taken to the cleaners. It's always fitness for me for those two nations. Yeah, well, Samoa this year, so just this year, Samoa have beat Japan. They've lost not by a lot to Fiji. Uh, they've beaten Tonga convincingly. They've beaten a Barbarians team, and they lost by four points to Ireland two weeks ago. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the Ireland A team, but um, you know they got within four points mm. of an Irish team. So you know, again, on their day, 
on their day, they're going to cause a few issues, particularly against a team like England, who are struggling. What, that, why Why are we not talking Argentina? What, why have we suddenly uh, written Argentina off? Uh, I mean, uh, Argentina, to me, probably are the best side on that side of the draw. Uh, Argentina will top that pool. I think Argentina will beat England, and I think Argentina will beat everyone, and they will top that pool and play the runner-up of Australia, Wales, and Fiji and Georgia. So... You know, God, it's an easy side of the draw, isn't it, yeah. when you look at it? Well, it's it's teams ranked 6th through to 13 in the world are all on one side of the pool. I know, it's appalling. Yeah, ridiculous. But but so Argy could probably find themselves in a, in, a, in a semi-final without too much effort, I believe. Which is which is pretty good for Argy. Like you know, they haven't they haven't may never made a final. Well, okay, let's touch on this one. We've seen them do very well in the past. I'm not sure the form's necessarily been that good going into this season. But what chance do we give Japan? Yeah, listen, I they're like us, right? They need an open, running around, flowing game. They need they need they need were, it to be loose. They need it to be loose. They need it to be fast. They're not big enough to to front up with these bigger Northern Hemisphere teams. So if they can get a referee that allows that, they're going to cause a team like England some trouble if they're allowed to get quick ruck ball. But if they're not because of the referee or because of circumstances in the match, then then they're just going to struggle to be mm. to get that physical dominance because they they rely on speed. If the, if the speed game wins, then then the Japan team are going to be very hard, very hard to deal mm. with, particularly for an England. Everybody's writing England off, and yes, they have been woeful. They were beaten by Fiji. Um, they've just looked really unsettled for the last 18 months. But they're still capable. You've said it yourself. This is about peaking at the right time. This is about winning a quarter final and getting on a little bit of a run. Should we be writing them off at our own peril? Or have they earned that reputation? They're genuinely crap and we shouldn't be too concerned. Uh, they haven't been playing good footy. And um, can they turn things around a few weeks? Yeah, possibly they've got a few people that are not eligible for selection the first weekend against Argentina. So, I mean, if, if Argentina get get the win on the first weekend, their next game's Japan, and then they have Chile, and then Samoa's their last game. Yeah, but see, game. I almost can see Argentina dropping their bundle to Japan a little bit like the South Africans. You yeah. Know, it's, do they have that? That week-in, week-out mentality. Yeah. Yeah. They're a better team than they have been in past years. Yep. And, you know, they, they knocked over Australia. And they've knocked yeah. over us twice in the last three years. Yeah. They're, on their day, they're, they're, again, if, if, if the referee allows them to get that slow ruck ball and it's a, it's a wrestle competition, then you're in for a tough day against the Argies. Well, that is pretty much us, done and dusted for another edition of the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, Steve won't be with us next week. He is part of the commentary team here on SENZ Radio. He'll be bringing you the Australian games, and Australia are in action against Georgia next week. So I think he's in here really early Sunday morning, around about 4am. 4am. But hey, look, uh, thanks, Steve, again. We'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Again, to all the fathers out there, I hope you are enjoying your day on this Father's Day. It's been an absolute privilege and pleasure. Don't go away. I'm not going anywhere. That might be a good thing or a bad thing. We are going to talk sport still through to 4 o'clock. The lines are still open. You can text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine, 8833 0800 150811. And just again, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Special thanks to Bunnings.